Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, I'm a good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Excited for today's conversation on cardiovascular health and its relationship to fasting. So how do different fasting regimens impact cardiovascular and autonomic function? Mm -hmm. And the cool connection point for us here is we're going to go into something that is more recently, the technology is allowed for it to be tracked and is something that I've been looking at and working on. And we're going to share with you some insights into heart rate variability and its connection to cardiovascular disease and ultimately things like type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance. So if you are new to the podcast, that's a mouthful, but we want to welcome you in. If you are new, thank you for giving us a shot and being part of your fasting journey. If you want to learn more about our journey and how Tommy and I's lives have been transformed through the art of fasting and how we apply it in our day-to-day life, head back to episode one. Give it a listen. It's where we share our story and welcome. We really appreciate you, you know, joining us. If you're an OG of the Fasting for Life family, Thank you guys for continuing to listen in and just growing this podcast to lengths that I never would have imagined when we when we clicked record back on episode right. one. We are incredibly grateful yeah, for you. that as we rapidly approach 3 million downloads here in, yes. in about the last two and a half years. So each and every one of you listening in, we are grateful for it. And we are incredibly grateful for five-star reviews. They are our favorite kind. So we wanna give Absolutely. a quick shout out here and we're gonna be putting this question into a future podcast Q&A, but this is something that we love to do is to acknowledge you guys for acknowledging us and telling the podcast gods and goddesses that we deliver value. So five-star reviews, they are our favorite. If you feel so inclined, drop one for us and here's a shout out. Cool, yeah, Marcelo Cello says, five stars, most comprehensive fasting research and podcast. I've been fasting for years using 16.8, not seeing results, but it does help with maintenance and I don't have that much weight to lose. This podcast helped me understand fasting on a much deeper level and understand how to get better results and also learn so much about the health benefits too. My question that I can't find an answer to yet is how do you meet nutritional needs in OMAD? Thanks so much, Julie P. So absolutely, thank you so much, Julie P. And we will definitely be going over your question. It is a very good one in an upcoming Q&A episode. So stay tuned. Okay. I feel terrible. Let's just, let's do one minute or less on that right there. Okay. (laughs) We're going to unpack this because we've unpacked it on different podcast episodes in the past. So you will find it. Search for it. Search Fasting for Life and OMAD and nutrition. It will come up. But big picture, OMAD, one meal a day can be used as a fat loss strategy or a maintenance strategy. Mm-hmm. So it depends on you and where you're at. Have you been losing weight? You know, you said you don't have a lot to lose. So yeah. when we are using OMAD as a fat loss strategy, we we want to be focusing on whole food sources and opening up your window enough where you can get satiated and excited about the foods that you eat. Mm-hmm. So just a yeah. couple of things to think about. 
Are you using it for maintenance? Are you wanting to lose weight? What's your most recent experience been? Has the scale been moving? And how do you feel about the foods? What kind of foods you're eating and putting into your window? Are they nutrient dense? Are they whole foods? Or are they more processed, yeah. refined, easy access type foods? So go ahead. One other, one other point I wanted to make was the difference between a meal and a window because OMAD, one meal a day, rather than a, yep. a window, even if it's a short one, one hour or maybe two hours, that can also be a good distinction to make because it can, you know, like she's alluding to here, it can be more difficult to get in, you know, 100% of my caloric needs or all of the nutrition that I need if I'm not right. look, looking to lose weight within one sit down meal that might be yep. 30 or maybe 45 minutes versus a longer window. You're going to have to open that window up. There's no way. There's yeah, not a lot of yeah. people that are going to be at a healthy weight, building lean muscle, exercising, living to their full potential. Not a lot of people are going to use like, oh, I'm going to have one plate here and that's going to be anything. Yeah. That's going to be everything I have day after day forever. Mm. So yeah. that's a really good distinction point there, Tommy. I appreciate that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, All right. but we can, we can go into a few more layers on that question in the future as well. Yeah, if you're looking for more insights into that and you want to use OMAD as a fat loss strategy, go grab the blueprint to fasting for fat loss in the show notes because it talks about macros and calories and what your plate should look like, et cetera. That's our 20 page PDF. It's free. You can just click the show notes. We'll zoom it across the interwebs into your email inbox for you. And that should give you some more insights as well. Appreciate the five star review. As we said, let's get into today's convo, Tommy. Yeah. How do different fasting regimens impact cardiovascular and autonomic function? So I want to start big picture. This was a study that was done recently in February of 2023, and it's the effects of different fasting interventions on cardiac autonomic modulation in healthy individuals. It's a secondary outcome analysis of the EDIF trial. And what I love about this is where they their starting point. So when we talk about losing weight, and we talk about getting healthy and having lab work and blood work that's in ideal ranges and living a long life without worrying about disease or blood sugar issues or diabetes. Or we know that eight out of the top 10 reasons why people lose their life for all cause mortality here in the United States are related to insulin resistance or weight loss resistance in some form or fashion. Fasting yeah. has the ability to decrease insulin and reverse insulin resistance incredibly quickly and much more simply than the old eat less and move more model. So big picture, fasting interventions become much more common. So what's their effect on cardiometabolic health? Because we know that cardiovascular disease and diabetes and metabolic syndrome all go hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. So it's scarcely analyzed as they admit up until this point. So the aim of the study is to scientifically investigate the influence of fasting on your cardiovascular Cardio metabolic health. It's mouthful. I said that earlier, right? So yeah. specifically your autonomic cardiac response. And what that is, is your autonomic nervous system, which regulates involuntary physiological processes, including heart rate, blood pressure, respiration, digestion, sexual arousal. It contains three anatomically distinct divisions. Sympathetic and parasympathetic are the main two. So you can think of this as fight or flight, rest and digest. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of the things when we're talking about the autonomic cardiac response is that that has a direct relationship to what's now being tracked by a lot of these new technology out there like Apple watches and whoops and aura rings, garments, et cetera. And it's this, this term called heart rate variability. And heart rate variability measures the variance in time between your heartbeats while you're asleep. 
It's a great indicator of how well your body can adapt to its environment and perform. Higher HR signals better overall health and fitness. However, it's very individualized based on age, gender, lifestyle, fitness, etc. So mm. trends in HRV can be a really powerful indicator because we know that HRV is connected to all-cause mortality when it comes to cardiovascular events. So lower HRV means increased chance of cardiovascular issues. We also know that in populations that have insulin resistance, there's studies here in the US and also studies in Japan, specifically the Tune Health study out of Japan, is reduced HRV is directly associated with insulin resistance and lower insulin sensitivity. And it's also linked to nervous system dysfunctions when it comes to long-term low levels of HRV or long-term cardiovascular and autonomic dysregulation patterns, right? Meaning abnormal yeah. EKGs. This is incredible because HRV is something that even five years ago, I wasn't hearing anything about the devices that could measure it. It wasn't being talked about by, by anybody who was actually seeing the data or, or by many people who were actually seeing the data. So now more and more research is coming out as far as how important this, you know, this, this metric is. And it's becoming easier and easier to where, you know, a lot of folks are wearing wearables, but still don't know what to make of this HRV category that they're seeing on their data. So the cool thing is to know that again, like there's, there's not a perfect number for your HRV, but seeing the trend in it, if you're trying to work on improving health, lower weight, increase insulin sensitivity, increase your, your cardiac health, you're working on building muscle, you know, all of these kind of things. If you're seeing changes in your HRV, if it's going up over time, your moving average is going up, that is a very good positive sign. And, and you're so making that, change. Yeah. 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 That, that's a really cool thing to be like, well, this, the scale's not moving. Well, there's a lot of other things that we should be looking at too. And, and a lot of things actually have to happen first before the scale can move or might be happening when the scale's not moving. Maybe I'm maintaining, maybe I'm at like a momentary plateau, a momentary maintenance. And instead of being frustrated or disheartened by that, if I see other things are improving, that can be all the reason to, you know, continue to lean into the process, continue to do what I'm doing rather than going, ah, oh, maybe it's time to change something. No, no, no. You might be way on the right track, you know, if you understand this a little bit better. So I think this is really cool. I love where they're come from with this study too. And first and foremost, one of the big takeaways for them was that there were no adverse events with nice. the fasting schedules that they studied. And the reason I say that first and foremost is because sometimes we'll have people express concern about fasting. It comes from their doc, yeah. comes from their loved ones. They may have a heart condition. They are concerned about the way they feel when they start fasting, never mind the yeah. hunger but you are going to be having big changes in your hydration levels and your insulin coming down, which then allows your body to lose the excess water and retention that you might be having. And you're going to have imbalanced potential electrolytes and transition mm. from a sugar burner into a fat burner and ketone production. Yeah. Blood so pressure sometimes, changes. What'd you say? Blood pressure can yeah, change. Yeah, exactly. This type yeah. of stuff. So you'll feel sometimes maybe a little fuzzy or you'll feel some people will say, I just feel different when I'm fasting. And sometimes you'll feel like almost like a little, like a little palpitation. 
right? And most mm, times yeah. that is just a hydration or electrolyte thing. And it's not an overall concern when it comes to the heart. Now, if you have a heart condition and you're going to start doing longer fast and intermittent fasting windows, please talk to your doctor, let them know what you're doing and, and have them on the same page as you when you start doing this. But one of the cool conclusions was there were no adverse events when you're looking at intermittent fasting windows, 20 hour fasting windows and ADF, which is 36 to 42 to 48 hour fast, depending on when the, the last bite of food was ingested, when you are alternating a feeding day versus a fasting day. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's also cool to note that when you take those different types of fasting approaches and put them into a, a study like this, you, you start to make some headway into like really, really uncovering some cool stuff. Cause like we're, we're going to suggest some, you know, alternatives or some next levels, you know, for a study like this after we, after we kind of go through it, but they're already were was a nice little mix of, you know, fasting scheduling within this study. Some of the most common ones that are research-based too. So ADF, alternate day fasting, 16-8, time-restricted eating or TRE, which is your most common intermittent fasting window. And then 20-4, which I've also seen as the warrior fast, right? I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I think we looked yeah. it up one time and I still can't remember. So it's hardcore. Um, what'd you say? It's hardcore. Hardcore. Yeah, there you go. They're looking at those in the resting heart rate. So the primary outcomes were ECG and HRV. Now, who was studied? 27 adults, average age 26, young, healthy population, 16 mm -hmm. men, 11 women. How is it studied? Well, eight weeks, and they were assigned to one of three IF groups, ADF, 16-8, or 20-4. The results were not surprising in the fact that there were no changes in any of the measured ECG parameters or HRV between the different fasting groups. Secondarily, there was a cool change that resting heart rate decreased by eight beats per minute in the 24 group. So 20 hours of fasting, four hours of eating mm -hmm. and the ADF group. So it dropped as well in the 16-8 group, but not statistically significant according to their research. Let's unpack what we would like to have seen in this study versus what we saw. So the results were cool, a decrease or a delta in heart rate with the 20-4 being the greatest at almost eight beats per minute. ADF, yeah, you got some change, but not as great. Yeah, ADF only dropped, what, two and a half beats per minute. You know, I would have liked to see a control group. I think that would have been nice to Odd. see what, you know, right? Yeah, I, I think it's it's probably because they started off with a very small sample size here. Right, right. Maybe because they're, they're leaning into something very, very new, you know, as, as far as fasting research goes. So seeing what a control group would actually experience here ad libitum, just, just eating throughout the day as they normally would. You know, another thing would be a larger sample size because that would give more statistical power so that you could potentially detect you know, variance between the different groups here, that that would have been nice. And another thing I would do would be to, you know, add in something that's like maybe a cleaner 36 or 48 hour fast, something that gets to a little bit different level, a little lower insulin response, more of a complete transition from glycolysis, from sugar burning into ketosis, into the fat burning zone, where you can have, you know, a bit of an increase in adrenaline, but also a very, very low drop in insulin and blood sugar. That would have been very interesting for me to see as well. Yeah, it's the one thing here, and this is just a jumping off point. The one thing here though is 
their research topic, this first run, as they say, might strengthen the scientific knowledge of intermittent fasting strategies and indicate potential clinically preventative approaches with respect to occurring metabolic disease and obesity in healthy young subjects. So I would like to see this done in metabolic dysfunction subjects, right? Like I was a few years ago. So let's look at the changes that we'll see because they go through all of the science, right? Intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, ADF, they go through it. They go through the 20-4. And intermittent fasting has gained a lot of attention lately because it's been shown to have increased fat oxidation, It's been shown to improve cholesterol and have cardioprotective effects. It's been shown in men and women to have weight loss and fat mass reduction. It's been shown to reverse insulin resistance, decrease cholesterol, decrease blood pressure, systolic and diastolic. We've had dozens and dozens and dozens of folks reverse diabetes and prediabetes using fasting protocols. So, It was interesting that they did this in a healthy young study where I would like to see it in the future done in in the group that it would be more apt to need to use it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. And and what if they had a calorie restriction group too? Right. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. And, you know, thinking about the control group some more, they did have the 16-8 group you know, which was a very, very small drop in in heart rate beats per minute. So kind of interesting. It's also kind of telling to Julie P's point earlier with the five star review about how 16.8 was helpful for her maintenance, but wasn't really moving, you know, the, the fat loss needle. Well, apparently it might not be moving the HRV needle, you know, very much as well, which is really good to know, but also can be an indication, you know what, I'm, I might need to just push the fasting needle just a little bit more. But also, like you said, what's on your plate and what are those other things like the sleep and the stress are am i am i addressing those things as well because those things are going to factor into heart rate variability as well yeah and that's really the point of this was so cool study never seen anything like it before wanted to mention it no adverse effects great and the fact that you can actually decrease your resting heart rate which is fantastic right i just remember whenever we'd go in for my wife's pregnancy visits and they'd take our blood pressure and it would be like 90 over 50 and they're like (laughs) Hello? Like, and her pulse would be like 52, right? And incredible sign that you are in a really great standing when it comes to your cardiovascular health, when you've got numbers like Mm. that. 38 weeks pregnant, just like chilling. Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, what I would give to have that. I'm working on it. It's getting better. So the heart rate variability is one of these things that I think is if we have access to it, let's use it because there's a really strong correlation between low HRV, like we mentioned, and increased cardiovascular risk and insulin resistance, which then leads to diabetes and all of the metabolic syndrome and related metabolic issues. So HRV personally has been something I've been working on. And since over the last six months, my HRV has increased 26%. Wow, nice. Interesting. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, And now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, FASTING4LIFE to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old, has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. 
And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTING for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. The highest HRV that I've ever seen, a single data point, right? So we're not going to extrapolate this into anything grandiose. Mm -hmm. A single data point that I've seen, the top three have been just now, last night, after a three-day fast, I'm going, I'm finishing mm -hmm. up a 72-hour fast, which I have not done in a while, tonight for dinner. Nice. Right? So I had my highest number, single data point, right? Mm -hmm. And a few months back, when I did a 48-hour fast, that turned into a seven-and-a-half-day fast. Mm. On day three, four, and five, I had a tie, and then my second and third highest HRV data points that I've ever had. And since then, I've trended up 26%. So to your point about these fasting windows that were studied, sometimes, just like OMAD as a maintenance strategy versus a weight loss strategy, mm -hmm you have to kind of push the envelope a little bit. It's no surprise to me that when I'm fasting and my body is repairing and my insulin is low, that my autonomic nervous system, my fight or flight or response is less, that my body is healing, that I'm getting more restful rest and recovery sleep, that my yeah. HRV would go up. Yeah. Now, yeah, can I do 72 not... hour fast forever? No, right. I wouldn't recommend doing them back to back to back to back to back, right? Yeah. But it shows that HRV can be affected by stress, poor sleep, lack of exercise, and dietary choices. You just reminded me with those data points, whenever I was more on the weight gain part of my, my life journey years back, 
And when we would, let's say, like get a pizza, like it'd be pizza night, my wife would always talk about increased heart rate afterwards, like going into the evening hours. If you think about it, like a lot of people are more sensitive to that than others. I never really felt that. I kind of felt like a little amped up, but I think my insulin response was so high that it kind of counteracted some of that. Whereas she didn't have the insulin resistance that I did, even though she was, you know, kind of slowly putting on weight as well. But if you think about it, that's the exact opposite of heart rate lowering and this increase in heart rate variability right here. So just, you know, feeling that effect potentially, you know, one meal at a time can be like how my, my heart rate variability is getting worse over time rather than improving like we're talking about here. I remember, and this still happens, but I used to sit on the couch in our little apartment back in the day. We do CrossFit on Fridays together. Mm -hmm. And then I would have clinic Saturday morning. So we'd go home. We'd usually get barbecue or something on the way home and eat and then have a couple of drinks, watch a movie, hang out, right? Yeah. She would fall asleep on the couch and she would always say, my goodness, I can feel your heartbeat like through your chest. Oh, wow. And back then, I hadn't thought about this for a while until you just said it. Back yeah. then, I never really knew, right? This is 10, 11 years ago. But if I have a night where, let's say, I, I'm trying to think of the last time I, I did this. Might've been a few months ago where I actually ate at a Mexican restaurant, which I normally don't do anymore because I just don't like the way it makes, it makes me feel. And we had, I had a couple of beers, right? I don't really drink much beer anymore or drink much at all, mm -hmm. just with the season of life we're in. Yeah. And Beer plus Mexican restaurant can I, make you... Uh, yeah, yeah, I know my recovery is going to be red. And I know my heart rate variability is going to be in the tank. And mm. it's always a warning sign that's like, your heart rate was seven beats per minute higher than normal. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. yep. right? So increased heart rate, insulin resistance, all of that stuff absolutely is going to affect your sleep and rest and recovery. So heart rate variability isn't one of these things that you can just look at one thing and be like, oh man, yeah, one night it was up, next day it's down. It's something you want to see those trends in, Tommy, that you were mentioning. Yeah. So what can help your stress levels? What can help your sleep? What can get you feeling better for you to want to be motivated and start exercising and making some more healthy food choices. I was listening to a recent podcast on fasting. Oh, by the way, the answer is fasting can do all of those things. <laughs> I was listening to a recent interview and one of the biggest fasting mistakes that they mentioned. So the question was, what is, you know, what are one of the few things that you see people do in terms of fasting mistakes when they come to fasting for the first time? Okay. Yeah. And the answer was just, it was really, really well stated and really powerful. Food choices. Food choices. Food choices. Yeah. Wait, before fasting? But why, Tommy? Yeah. Can I just eat whatever I want? I'm fasting, right? And you can. Because if you make a few better food choices, it can prepare your body to do things better and easier and make the process a lot simpler and a lot less frustrating. And a couple of those food choices that were mentioned were cleaning up some of the oils in the foods that you choose, doing more, more whole foods, like more foods at home, which includes your carbohydrates being more natural-based carbohydrates rather than the highly processed ones. And then the other one was getting into those, those actual processed ingredients. Are your foods just full of kind of fake you know, fake ingredients, chemicals, and and other things like that that make it easier to prepare or, you know, just, just commercially available. Yeah, more, more craveable. Those, those kind of things. And if you just kind of started there with like those three or four main points, that it really prepares you for fasting a lot better 
Because as you clean up your fasting too, or as you start extending the time of your fast, like we've been talking about throughout this episode, that can help balance out the cravings. It can help make the process a little bit more intuitive. It can help decrease the likelihood or the craveability of that Friday night, just like fast food, pizza, you know, craving, even if it's a really, really strong habit. When you start to clean up the fasting a little bit and start to clean up a few of those food choices, it can make that feel a lot less tempting. You start to realize how it's going to make you feel. And most of the time, you're feeling a lot better than that. And like you with the Mexican food or with the beer, it's like you don't really want to feel that way. Again, it's a lot less tempting, right? Yeah. And I just love the big picture of this too in this lifestyle adaptation. I mean, in the study, which was just a, a jumping off point for us, they mentioned the limitations, right? Small study. We didn't really have any tracking for physical activity or daily habits, you know, lifestyle habits sleeping habits, et cetera, which are all things that have a drastic effect on HRV. Sure, yeah. But you were just talking about that feeling, like what is that that long-term feeling that you're trying to get? Well, you wanna feel better, have more energy, have more confidence, fit into your clothes, look better in a bathing suit, whatever those things are for you, they're yeah. all indi individual you know, answers to the same questions, right? Sure. Fasting has the power to fit really whatever lifestyle you wanna live, Typically, I mean, if you're a diabetic and you're trying to reverse diabetes, then don't start continue to eat refined processed carbs, you know, limit yeah. those. But that food choice component, we hear so often that the fasting is the easy part. It's the relationship with the food that's the more difficult part and that those default habit patterns that we have. So fasting, most people come to it. A lot of people come to it for weight loss. I came to it because I had tried everything else and failed miserably. Right. <laughs> Spent too. lots of money hiring nutritionists and specialists and doing testing and all this kind of stuff over the years. And it's gotten to a point now where I don't look so much at the fasting as what I'm working on. But for me, I'm working on my sleep habits, which directly affect my HRV and my visceral fat. So if you're new, you don't really have to worry about that stuff right now. Yeah. But it's empowering it's okay. that there are other drivers at play here that don't revolve around counting calories, tracking macros and stepping on that scale. Yeah. Fasting goes way deeper than that and can be a much more powerful tool than that. As we can see, even though this was a short study in healthy subjects, right? Without a yeah. lot of, they just said, like I just mentioned with the limitations, we still saw a considerable decrease in the 20-4 fasting window when it comes to our, to our heart rate, which is something we want to yeah. see. A healthy heart rate, a lower heart rate, and an increased heart rate variability can be really powerful. And, you know, the 72 hour fast, I'm doing it with a couple of gentlemen, and one of them also wears a whoop and he texts me, he's like, wow, third night of my fast, and it's the highest HRV I've ever had. Again, nice. I'm not surprised. Wow. Yeah. Right? Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see more data like this. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they continue to lean into this and, you know, maybe take some thought on on what version two is going to look like, because I, I think some more really promising results are right around the corner here too. And I want to see how those kind of differentiate and extrapolate you know, across more time and, and more patient populations like we talked about too. Yeah. So for one or two action steps, it would be looking at your nutritional window and your nutrition opportunity. Yeah. And maybe it's time to vary up your fasting window because the second mistake from that interview that I was listening to that was mentioned was picking one fasting window and sticking to it. Mm, like and we have a resource, we have a resource, the yeah. fast start guide to one meal a day, right? You gotta start somewhere, okay? Sure. You gotta take some action. You gotta pick a meal that's the most, the easiest for you to apply, right? So most people pick mm. dinner, great. 
Is it working? Well, no, you got to play around with it. Just like all of these individual health metrics we talked about and decisions that you need to make in today's episode, the second mistake is sticking to the same window. So in the spirit of being cheesy, heart rate variability, let's vary your fasting window and try some new things. If you're looking for what that could look like, you can head to the show notes, you can click the link. I mentioned it earlier, the blueprint to fasting for fat loss, Tommy. And just know that this is a lifestyle adaptation. So it takes repetitions. It takes trial and error. But fasting, as you know, as we know, such a powerful tool, Tommy. Yeah, it absolutely is. And if you're not really sure, or if you're if you're interested in looking at what your heart rate variability is, as I am, because I, I don't actually have data for mine, but I might you know, pick up a whoop based on, on this information right here. So I can kind of track that over time. Whoop, if you're listening, I, I, come yeah, talk right? to us. Okay. <laughs> I don't like tracking more things just for fun, but when what? they matter, they matter, you know? So yep. if, if I want the needle to move, then, then let me actually get away to kind of gauge that needle. So I absolutely love this and cleaning up what's in your nutrition opportunity is, is great advice, no matter where you are in your fasting journey. So absolutely clean up your next plate and, uh, you know, set some good boundaries and, and set your next timer. Yep. 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 I love it. All right, Tommy, as always, appreciate the conversation. Head to the show notes, click the link for the blueprint to fasting for fat loss. You can also join our Facebook community of like-minded individuals all every day, breaking the first two rules of fasting. We talk about fasting 24 seven, come join us, get your question answered, continue the conversation and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, sir. Perfect. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.